Welcome to a special edition of InvestKL Conversations. My name is Ida Lazman and I'll be your host today. Recently, we launched a sustainability theme report in collaboration with MIT Technology Insights titled Breaking New Ground, Sustainability in Malaysia. The report explores what global companies in Greater Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia as a whole are doing to achieve their environmental, social and governance targets and how the experiences can be applied globally. In this exclusive episode, we have Datuk Sri Norazman Ayub, Deputy Secretary General of the Ministry of International Trade and Industries, Wan Zayuti Wan Hussein, Head of Strategy and Policy for Corporate Sustainability of Petronas, and Noliza Hashim, CEO of Urbanis, in a session moderated by Man and Bernier, UNDP Deputy Resident Representative. Let's hear from our esteemed speakers. In UNDP, we've done a study, and between March and June, 4.1 million people have fallen back into hardcore poverty worldwide. No? We know that the, the vulnerables are usually the most affected by, by the pandemics and we, by, the, by those crises. Uh, same thing with climate, energy transition is recognized by everyone. Uh, the need to invest more in innovation, they have never been as, as much important as they are now because that's the only framework that the world agreed with very, very clear targets that is the pathway to ensure sustainable development. So it's really good to see uh, Malaysia, you know, uh, uh, has set very high, has set as well high ambition in the 12, in the 12 Malaysia plan. Uh, to move towards a more uh, sustainable agenda, uh, requiring as well a call for the private sector, civil society and a whole of society approach uh, to transit uh, to sustainability agenda with the SDGs as a very clear target. So first I would like to invite Dato Sri Norazam, if you can bring your perspective no? uh, from MITI, from, from the government on where, where Malaysia stands on, on its journey. This momentum towards ESG basically started, I would say, maybe as early as two years ago when we were struck with the global pandemic. So what we observed was that how vulnerable is our supply chain? And this is talking from the economic perspective, right? And last year, uh, therefore, we actually reviewed our policy at the ministry level in terms of our policies to attract investments, to encourage investments, as well as retain them, as well as in terms of our international trade strategies. And one thing comes to mind is basically on ESG. And there are reasons as to why this came to mind. This is from the trade perspective, from the investment and financing perspective, as well as in terms of resilience of supply chain. Now, as we all know in the EU, for example, there have been developments relating to certain proposals by the EU Commission with regards to ESG. One of which, of course, is the introduction of the carbon border adjustment mechanism. It's a carbon border tax, which will be imposed on goods exported to the EU region if those products or goods are produced, whereby in the production process, the carbon emissions exceed certain threshold. Now, apart from that, the risk of deforestation to the production of goods and services, where the EU now has requested or require, or would require companies, whether you are based in the EU or if you are actually supplying to the EU, to actually disclose in terms of vulnerabilities along your whole supply chain, in terms of whether they actually contribute to deforestation or degradation. Now, from financing and investment point of view, we have spoken to a few financial institutions as well as institutional funds in Malaysia and they have started to identify their investments or their clients 
who are ESG to differentiate between ESG and non-ESG. Now the third point relates to resilience of supply chain. Now Malaysia actually plays a very key role in the regional and global supply chain of some critical products, for example, in terms of semiconductor and rubber gloves. And having said so, therefore, we will require our companies, particularly the SMEs, to be able to adopt ESG in their production process in order to meet the demand of the companies that they're supplying to. As far as the ministry is concerned as to how far we have come, basically, so we have actually put in place certain measures in terms of, number one, the type of incentives that we will be introducing, um, basically through this new national investment policy framework that the government will announce very much soon. So moving forward, the Malaysian government will start to distinguish between ESG and non-ESG compliant investments. While we still will welcome ESG, uh, non-compliant ESG investments, but greater incentives will be accorded to those investments that are certified as ESG. We will also be introducing some capacity building measures, uh, particularly for our SMEs, to allow them to mainstream ESG yeah, in their production processes. We will also be approaching financial institutions, government-linked companies, institutional funds that have investments in companies here in Malaysia to understand to what extent would they require these companies to be ESG before deciding to extend credit lines or loans to them or even to retain their investments in these companies. So it's good to see Miti will not only provide the, the policy and but also support with capacity building and others. No? Let me now move to Ms. Norliza which I'm sure a number of you know already uh, with Urbanis, who has been very, very active in, in localizing uh, the sustainable development goals. So if you can just give us a little bit uh, your perspective on, on the, the kind of initiatives that you're doing and where do we stand? We've sort of formed a lot of ecosystem at the national level. Uh, where we, we form the council, you know, we are very committed to the voluntary national reviews. We put in all you know, the strategies in our 12 plan. And in fact, in the second rollout for the SDGs, we've, uh, we are now focusing on localization. So I think this is the core because uh, formerly our SDG council were very much related to the pillars of the 11th Malaysia plan. But this time around, um, the SG councils are more uh, related to the work track, uh, to the stakeholders that are involved in localization of the SDGs. So we even have actually a working group for private uh, for private sector. So uh, we started in Urbanis about two years, uh, two and a half years ago, when we started to realize that cities is where we should start working on. And all of you operate in cities. You know, we are about 77% uh, urbanized, uh, 24 million people living in urban area in Malaysia. And this is where all the urban activities are happening. And we talk about environment, for example, you know, if carbon neutral is our agenda by 2050, then, you know, that's not a long time to go. And yet we know uh, the people that actually contributes to that is the operation people at the city level and whether or not we as the business community uh, how are you better consuming how are you more responsible in your production uh, before talking about the environment or, or social or, or economy itself i think there are some basics that we need to go back to 
So in the work that we do uh, at Urbanist, we work with city councils because our ministry covers 154 local government. So uh, we believe that transformation should start at the cities. And we work bottom-up. Our first work track has always been the city councils themselves because they are the regulator. They are also making a lot of decisions every day in approving plans, giving permits, and we wanted to make sure that is also being aligned. So that's where we are currently. But along that, the process, you know, we speak to the city's stakeholders and these being the communities uh, as well as, you know, community leaders. And now we are starting to move into private sectors. What we've been doing for the last two and a half years has actually been voluntary. But now we've got more attention from the uh, national government and also the realisation from state government and suddenly there is an urgency for state governments, city governments to realise that localisation is very important. For me, ESG is the entry point uh, because the real end game is uh, that sustainable agenda that we need to drive for our city as well as for our nation. We did an audit for Kuala Lumpur and the mayor of Kuala Lumpur is the most open person. He asked us not only to audit their blueprints, where we look at 25 blueprints and more than 500 programs. But he also uh, asked us to look at his organization. And this is very interesting because most of the departments which are technically inclined are actually already working towards sustainability. But those in the management side, some of them are still unaware. <laughs> So this is where I think, you know, going back to the governance part, the management part, you know, for example, when we talk about when I was looking at the performance of KL, I realized that a lot of the SDGs where they are not performing very well has to do with a lot of the governance issues. Gender equality is something that most cities does not do very well. Um, actually, you know, we've actually evaluated 11 cities and we've actually done one for the entire Slango. So gender equality is actually not very advanced. So the statistics of uh, women, men, more women in education, it's true, but women in workforce, women in decision-making, or cities that are very responsive to gender is a far cry. So I think it's that whole dimension on how do we embrace uh, sustainability in a more wholesome manner so that you know it comes part of not only about cities but society and talking about economy we need to be productive uh, as a society but for society to be productive their well-being their poverty level you know their housing it goes all you know their environment their access to parks you know so the circle never ends and that's why cities have to champion sustainability. It's no longer a choice. It's already a must. It's good to see Malaysia, you know, taking the lead at, at the city level and local level to say, at the end of the day, that's where you measure. Have we achieved them or not? It's at the local level and that really requires a whole of society approach. And I think this applies to private sector as well. You can create your sustainability, you know, unit and then, okay, they're taking care. But we know that this doesn't work anymore. It has to be a whole of business approach. It has to be part of the vision and how the business model is, is driven. No? So that links me to Mr. Juan from Petronas. Maybe uh, I take back to the United Nations Environment Programme where they highlighted that we are now 
today facing three types of crisis, right? One is climate crisis, second is nature crisis, and the third one is inequality crisis, right? So I think investors and stakeholders are demanding more visible actions on the ground, really, not just you know, pledges and commitments, but what do we do to get to that actions in ESG and also SDG in general? And if you look at um, oil and gas or hydrocarbon alone, in the last five years, we have about 150 billion US dollar investment out of hydrocarbon into the renewable uh, sources. Right, so that's uh, direction is quite clear, right? So for Petronas, uh, sustainability is not just um, you know, started. I think, in fact, the first corporate sustainability framework uh, was in 2001. So that was 20 years ago. And we published our first sustainability report in 2007, right? So, and then it progressed along the way, whereby we have our carbon commitment, human rights commitment, um, commitment on governance and, and so on. But in 2019, this is where uh, I think a major milestone. First, I think our vision and uh, we transform it to a purpose. So our purpose now is really about a progressive energy and solution partner and reaching lives for a sustainable future. So really putting sustainability at the heart of the purpose and also the strategy of the organization. And in the same year, 2019, we also publicly announced that we embrace all 17 SDGs and we prioritize seven of that 17 that have most direct impact our business and, and operations. And we also, the first oil and gas company in Asia to declare net zero carbon emission aspiration by 2050. So it's not a small feature for an oil gas company whereby our day-to-day -day is really managing hydrocarbon. But the ethos here is really about shifting the mindset, really looking from risk perspective into opportunities. Because there are a lot of opportunities in low carbon economy and green growth future. So Petronas has been actively pursuing and venturing into uh, new ventures such as renewable, uh, hydrogen, um, carbon capture and storage, uh, nature-based solution, uh, and also low carbon fuel and bio-based uh, fuel and chemicals, just to name a few. We look at the value chain. Uh, this journey um, cannot be just one company's effort. Right? It has to be the entire ecosystem. We have more than 5,000 vendors and suppliers in our value chain. So we need to bring everybody on board because 80% of those vendors and suppliers are SMEs, small and medium enterprises. It may not be exposed uh, as much to the pressure on ESG externally. The next is actually on adopting or learning from global best practices. So Petronas aligns our business practices to the international framework and standard. Uh, in fact, uh, last year, uh, in 2021, we publicly endorsed the World Bank Zero Routine Flaring Initiative. We also endorsed the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, TCFD. Um, Petronas also a signatory to the World Economic Forum Stakeholder Capitalism Matrix in to promote the transparency uh, of ESG through reporting and disclosure. Also, Petronas is, uh, mem is members of international organizations such as the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, uh, AITA, International Trading Emission Association, 
um, EPK uh, for oil and gas related, um, and also um, we participate in many uh, ESG disclosure, CDP and so on. So these learnings from our exchange of thoughts with international organizations help to inform and bring back to our ecosystem on what are some of the learnings that we can help to accelerate the transformation. So we need uh, our own unique narrative for Malaysia catered to the local context and as a growing economy uh, in the center of uh, consumer demand in ASEAN. Hopefully this will then help to prioritize and send the right signals to the corporate Malaysia and also investors uh, in shaping the agenda moving forward. It was wonderful uh, hearing the, the three perspective and what I take away. The, the first point is, and I heard it from the three of you without saying those words, but we are past a, a reporting and compliance mechanism. No, uh, We are into uh, moving a new vision um, that requires everyone to change within their own organization, big government, civil society, private sector, and to really embrace sustainability as the core and, and the direction to go. The SDG provide a framework that can uh, help all of you go from reporting to how do we measure as well impact. The ESG remains a very important a framework that helps you uh, drive the directions. Looking at how the private sector can engage uh, even more with government, with civil society to drive this uh, all together. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by InvestScale Conversations.